Jeremiah chapter 28. So if you have a Bible, let's turn to Jeremiah 28. We're one chapter short of what I would have to consider to be one of my favorite chapters in all the Bible, chapter 29. But we've got to get to 28 first. So I think you'll find that uh, even in 28 there's some, some great things to learn. Jeremiah 28. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's just ask God to open our hearts this evening and in our minds and have our ears and our eyes ready to receive everything God has for us. Father, this evening we thank you and we bless you for this opportunity to share together in your love and mercy and your grace. And now, Lord God, we want to share in your truth and understand, Lord God, the things that you have for us in this passage today. We pray for the anointing and blessing of your Holy Spirit. We ask that you would give us light. Let there be light in, there, in, in these words tonight to our hearts. And speak to us, Lord, where there are things that we need to lay before you, correct, as it were, in our lives. Because we want to be right with you, Lord. We don't want to take your grace or your mercy for granted. As we look to the coming of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we want to be right with you. And we want to show the world the love that only comes through Jesus Christ. And the life that only comes through Christ. And the light that only comes through Christ. So Father, speak to us and speak to our hearts this evening, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Jeremiah 28 begins... And it happened in the same year, at the beginning of the reign of Zedekiah, king of Judah, in the fourth year and in the fifth month, that Hananiah, the son of Azur, the prophet, who was from Gibeon, spoke to me in the house of the Lord in the presence of the priests and of all the people, saying, Thus speaks the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, saying, I have broken the yoke of the king of Babylon. Within two full years I will bring back to this place all the vessels of the Lord's house that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, took away from this place and carried to Babylon. And I will bring back to this place Jeconiah, the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, with all the captives of Judah who went to Babylon, says the Lord, for I will break the yoke of the king of Babylon. It never comes as a surprise to me when the gospel of Jesus Christ is preached among those who are unbelievers that there will quickly arise in those minds and hearts an opposition to the truth. 
Many will take strong exception to the Word of God, as many do today. Take, for example, what Timothy said, or what Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, verses 3 and 4. I know you hear these verses a lot, but it's important for us to see this in light of what we see in, in Jeremiah. It says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Now, really, that's something we need to underline. People today do not endure sound doctrine. It's as if sound doctrine becomes a burden to them. Sound doctrine is not a burden to us, it is a blessing to us. But notice again, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. I wonder how many fables are being taught in churches today. Things that are not true and things that are not of the Word of God. They took strong exception to, the God, to God's Word in Isaiah's day. Back when we studied Isaiah, a while back, Isaiah 30, verses 8 through 11. Now go, write it before them on a tablet and note it on a scroll, that it may be from, for time to come, forever and ever, that, that this is a rebellious people, notice, lying children, children who will not hear the law of the Lord. Who say to the seers, do not see, and to the prophets, do not prophesy to us right things. It's as if to say, don't read to us the Bible. Speak to us smooth things. Prophesy deceits. Don't tell us truths, tell us lies. Get out of the way. Turn aside from the path. Cause the Holy One of Israel to cease from before us. Those are powerful words, aren't they? Of that idea. Of taking hold of deception rather than the truth. And Jeremiah was warned of this uh, early on in his ministry. We can go all the way back to Jeremiah chapter 5. By the way, I was, I was kind of getting caught up to see where we've been and you know how long it's been since we began Jeremiah was a year ago this month. We started the book of Jeremiah. So we're almost done. Well, not really. But Jeremiah 5, verses 30 and 31 says, An astonishing and horrible thing has been committed in the land. And I want you to take note of this, because I know we studied a long time ago, but take note of this. The prophets prophesy falsely, and the priests rule by their own power. But look at this next phrase. And my people love to have it so. My people love to have it so. That prophets prophesy falsely. That priests rule by their own power. But what will you do in the end? Well, I think that's a question we better ask a lot of people. What are you going to do in the end? What are you going to do when Jesus Christ does come back like He said He is going to come back? What are you going to do in the end? If all we've been trying to do is live by the lies of, of false prophets... Or all we're trying to do is live by the lies of people who say, listen, you can come to the Lord, you know, say this prayer, and then live your life the way you want to live it. What are you going to do in the end when Jesus Christ comes back? And He gathers His people unto Himself and judges the rest. You see, I said earlier that uh, it doesn't come to a surprise when the gospel of Jesus Christ is 
rejected or opposed by unbelievers. But what does come as a shock sometimes is the exception that is taken by God's Word by those who profess faith in Jesus Christ. Although I am less and less shocked as the days leading to the return of Christ near and the end time scenarios become clearer and clearer that some depart from the faith, just as Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 4. And look at this, verses 1 and 2. Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith. Thank the Lord it doesn't say that all or many, it just says some. Some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. Speaking lies was exactly the message that Jeremiah had given in the last seven verses of the previous chapter, chapter 27, while he was wearing the ox yoke around his neck. You remember that from last week. Let me bring to mind what he said in verses 16 and 17. This is just the beginning of the last seven verses. You can read the rest later if you didn't read it last week. But in Jeremiah 27, verses 16 and 17, Jeremiah says, or it says here, Also I spoke to the priests and to all this people, saying, Thus saith the Lord, Do not listen to the words of your prophets who prophesied to you, saying, Behold, the vessel of the Lord's, or the vessels of the Lord's house will now shortly be brought back from Babylon. For they prophesy a lie to you. Do not listen to them. Serve the king of Babylon and live. Why should this city be laid waste? He says, surrender to the king of Babylon and you're going to live. If you fight him, you're going to die. If you oppose him, you're going to die. If you set up all kinds of of little alliances against him, you're going to die. So the response to this message is what we see in, in this text tonight, chapter 28. Where a man named Hananiah, a son of a prophet, Hananiah ben Azur, and himself possibly a priest, this Hananiah, would take exception, you see, to Jeremiah's prophecy, even to the point of taking the yoke off of Jeremiah and breaking it, as we shall see in verse 10. Now the event took place in the same year as the previous chapter records, in the fifth month. We can assume that Hananiah was a priest. Now understand this. We can assume that he was a priest based on the fact that he was from Gibeon. It tells us that he was from Gibeon. It wouldn't say that if it wasn't important. It's important to note that he was from Gibeon because Gibeon was one of the 13 cities that were set aside for priests and Aaron's descendants who who were the Levites in the household of the priests. You can read that in Joshua 21. So it gives us an indication of who this person is. Now, he's a priest, possibly a priest, but he considers himself a prophet. So notice in verse 1 again, it says, And it happened in the same year, at the beginning of the reign of Zedekiah, king of Judah. Remember, now Zedekiah is the last king of Judah. In the fourth year and in the fifth month, that Hananiah, or Hananiah, the son of Azur, the prophet, who was from Gibeon, spoke to me in the house of the Lord, in the presence of the priests and of all the people. So this was done in the presence of many witnesses, and all of them being priests, and uh, even the people there, saying, Thus saith, uh, thus speaks the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, saying, 
I have broken the yoke of the king of Babylon. So what had, what had, uh, what had Jeremiah been doing? He had been walking around with a yoke around his neck. He had either sent real yokes to the Moab and Edom and all those other uh, nations that were mentioned in last, last week's uh, chapter, chapter 27. Or at least the message was sent. But evidently he still had the yoke on. But it is, uh, it is Hananiah saying, I have broken the yoke of the king of Babylon. In other words, he's saying the Lord says. So Hananiah is now, you know, he's now challenging the prophecy of Jeremiah. As if to say, well, Jeremiah, you say the Lord said to you these things, but I say the Lord says this. And he says, I have broken the yoke of the king of Babylon within two full years. Now notice, he's giving very specific things, times, very specific events that can be measured to see whether he is indeed a true prophet or not. So he says, within two full years I will bring back to this place all the vessels of the Lord's house that Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon took away from this place and carried to Babylon in the earlier uh, uh, siege. And I will bring back to this place Jeconiah, the son of Jehoiakim. By the way, of course, when we studied back, I believe it was chapter 23, that, uh, that uh, Jeremiah prophesied that Jeconiah would die in Babylon. So remember these things. He says, I'll bring back to this place Jeconiah, the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, with all the captives of Judah who went to Babylon, says the Lord, for I will break the yoke of the king of Babylon. So that's Hananiah speaking as it were for the Lord, or saying that this is the Lord. So Hananiah's message was an obvious contradiction to the yoke message delivered by Jeremiah. An obvious contradiction. And while this false prophet claimed that the God of Israel had given him this message, he made three claims that contradicted the warnings of Jeremiah. Three claims that contradicted the warnings of Jeremiah. First of all, the Lord would break the yoke of Babylon. He says the Lord would break the yoke of Babylon. But Jeremiah said, no, they wouldn't. They would have their own yoke, really. Secondly, within two years, the Lord would return the temple articles that had been removed in the early invasion by Babylon. Well, Jeremiah questioned even that happening. And thirdly, the Lord would return Jeconiah or Jehoiakim and the people who had been exiled earlier. So that's the prophecy from this false prophet. And sadly, this was the message the people wanted to hear. This was the message the people wanted to hear. They really didn't want to hear Jeremiah's message. They wanted to hear Hananiah's message. Now, now think about this for just a moment. Some people don't like the fact that we, we, we study the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. You know, I'm not saying that that's, you know, this is what God's called us to do. This is what we do here. I hope and pray you all appreciate that because we're going to go to God's Word and, and teach it as, as, uh, uh, as we pray the Lord, the Lord through the Holy Spirit will teach us to. But I know there's been people who come, they say, all I do is study the Bible, you know, let's go where we can, you know, jump and sing and shout and do all kinds of other things. Here's something that's more encouraging, you know. I don't know what's more encouraging than knowing what God's Word says. So when, when, when a people would, would just reject one message for another, it's because that's what they wanted to hear. 
They want to hear positive things. Want to hear a positive message. A lot of people preaching positive things today. We don't want to preach anything negative. Be careful of that. These people wanted a positive message. Surely God's going to get us out of this, this, this mess with Babylon. Surely. We're going to put all our people together and we're going to you know, have a little alliance with Egypt and bring, a, bring in a few other guys in who don't want to die with us you know, either. So you know, maybe we can defeat this Babylon. We already learned last week it wasn't going to happen. Hananiah's message, listen, Hananiah's message promised them liberty, freedom from Babylonian captivity, and the restoration of their nation. But because they had rejected the Lord God of their nation, they were in danger of committing themselves even more firmly to a false hope, a false peace, and a false security. God was set in what He was going to do to Judah. That wasn't going to change. But they wouldn't listen to Jeremiah. Jeremiah had the negative message. He had the sour message. What a parallel, I believe, to our own nation. Especially now. Everybody wants liberty. Everybody wants freedom. They want it on their own terms. They want to live lifestyles that are contrary to God's Word. They want to do things contrary to godliness, contrary to righteousness. And yet the Word of God says righteousness exalts a nation. And sin is a reproach to any people. Paul would address this attitude in his first letter to the Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Listen, all he's saying is it's going to happen again. What's prophesied in the Old Testament is going to happen again. And not just immediately, it's going to happen later on too. And and Paul attests to that. 1 Thessalonians 5 verses 1 through 3. But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. Speaking of the end times... He says, for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. No one knows the day or the hour at which the Son of God shall appear. For when they say what? For when they say, peace and safety. Peace. Safety. Has this not been the the very desire of the United Nations for all these many years? Has there ever been a day that this world has had a day of even a, a, a moment of peace and safety? There hasn't been one. When they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman. And they shall not escape.
They wanted peace and safety, so they said, okay, let's look for the prophet. Who will say peace and safety? That's the positive message. Everything's cool. Everything's going to be great. You've got to have that positive thinking attitude. Positive attitude. Well, listen. Two prophets stood face to face on that day. Two prophets stood face to face, each contradicting the other with conflicting claims. Each attributing his message to God. Each one of them. Jeremiah, Hananiah. But only one could be right. But only one could be right. And while Jeremiah could have wished that the Lord would have fulfilled Hananiah's words, and and I mean that and we'll see that in just a moment. While Jeremiah could have wished that the Lord would have fulfilled Hananiah's words. Haven't we seen through our study of the book of Jeremiah that, that Jeremiah himself did not, want to, did not want to have Israel destroyed, did not want to have Judah destroyed, did not want to have his people punished? So wouldn't it be a, a, a wonderful thing if there was indeed going to be peace, that indeed the things that were taken would be brought back, and that they could come back into their land, and that one of their kings would be able to be brought back into the land? I mean, he, he, I'm sure that he, he, he could have wished that the Lord would have fulfilled that. But he knew that the message was false. He knew that the message was false. And as we often, oftentimes say, time will tell. Time will tell. Sometimes that's what you have to do with prophets. Time will tell. So look at verse 5 now. Then the prophet Jeremiah spoke to the prophet Hananiah in the presence of the priests and in the presence of all the people who stood in the house of the Lord. And the prophet Jeremiah said, Amen! You see what I was saying? Amen! The Lord do so! Oh, that that would be the wonderful thing to have happen here. The Lord perform your words which you have prophesied to bring back the vessels of the Lord's house and all who are carried away captive from Babylon to this place. But look at the first word of verse 7. Nevertheless, hear now this word that I speak in your hearing and in the hearing of all the people. The prophets who have been before me and before you of old prophesied against many countries and great kingdoms of war and disaster and pestilence. As for the prophet who prophesies of peace, when the word of the prophet comes to pass, the prophet will be known as one whom the Lord has truly sent. And then Hananiah the prophet took the yoke off the prophet Jeremiah's neck and broke it. So you have to imagine this, this Hananiah going up to him and going up to Jeremiah after he speaks and, and taking that yoke and ripping it off his head. It must have hurt his ears or something. Taking that thing and then breaking that yoke. And notice verse 11, And Hananiah spoke in the presence of all the people, saying, Thus says the Lord, 
So again, he speaks as a voice from God. And he says, Even so I will break the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, from the neck of all nations within the space of two full years. Time will tell. And the prophet Jeremiah went his way. Now this is just a point of review, but how was the prophet known to be true or false? Deuteronomy 18, verses 20-22. We've studied this before, we look at it again. But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name, what was Hananiah doing? The very same thing, he was presuming to speak in the name of God. The prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or who speaks in the name of other gods, that prophet shall die. Kick the bucket. Keel over. And if you say in your heart, how shall we know the word which the Lord has not spoken, when a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the thing does not happen or come to pass, that is the thing which the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You shall not be afraid of him. Folks, there are a lot of false prophets today. Don't be afraid of them. If they don't speak God's word, they don't have God's strength. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. If Christ is in you, if the Spirit of God is in you, as a believer in Jesus Christ, that doesn't make us better than anybody else in the sense of, of, you know, we're still in flesh. We still have our struggles and trials. We still, you know, need God's help and all. But he said, I will be in you. And if he's in you, you have nothing to fear from all these guys that presume to speak for God, who say all kinds of false things. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously, presumptuously, you shall not be afraid of it. So as much as Hananiah's prophecy would have brought happiness to Jeremiah, were it to be fulfilled. And, and I honestly believe that he's not only being, you know, he's not mocking really. He's saying, boy, if, if that was really the case, that'd be great. If we could have peace in less than two years, that would be great. So as much as Ananias' prophecy would have brought happiness to Jeremiah, yet his message of peace and prosperity ran contrary. It ran contrary to the long tradition of genuine Hebrew prophets sent by God to the nations down through the centuries. Because of the sins of the people, the earlier prophets pronounced judgment against many nations and peoples of the earth. Because of their sins, God would execute His judgment through war, through disaster, through disease. All you need to do is go home and do your homework tonight, which is read Amos, read Hosea, read Micah, read Joel, and read Nahum. You can read Nahum in five minutes. It's a one-chapter prophecy. Prophecy. 
one of those is Obadiah. No, I think it's Nahum. In any event, it's a short one. You go back and read all those books tonight, and you won't fall asleep. Well, I'm not trying to promise you that, but if you lay down to read, you're going to fall asleep. I can assure you. So sit up, walk in your in your study, and and read. But read these things and notice what those prophets that Jeremiah was talking about had written. These prophets spoke words of judgment to great kingdoms like Assyria and like Egypt. And this is what he's telling him. This is what Jeremiah is saying to them. The prophets who have been before me, before you of old, prophesied against many countries, great kingdoms, of, these, of war, disaster, pestilence. So now you're now you're you're prophesying peace. So now Jeremiah tells Hananiah, in effect, the burden of proof is on you, buddy. The burden of proof is on you. Again, look at verse nine. As for the prophet who prophesies of peace, when the word of the prophet comes to pass, the prophet will be known as one whom the Lord has truly sent. So hey, the burden of proof is on you. We take that big hourglass and turn it over that counts two years, and we'll see if you're right. As sands through the hourglass, so are the days of your life. Hananiah. What we see take place then is Hananiah either overconfident and thinking that Jeremiah agrees with him or becoming quite angry at what he perceives to be Jeremiah mocking him nevertheless with contempt Hananiah breaks that yoke from Jeremiah's neck and he predicts a total defeat of Babylon prophet uh, verse 10 the prophet took the, uh, the yoke off of uh, uh, prophet Jeremiah's neck broke it and, and Hananiah spoke in the presence of all the people he just says even so, he says, the Lord says this, Even so, I'll break the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, from the neck of all nations, within the space of two full years. And the prophet Jeremiah went his way. So what this false prophet was predicting was not only that Judah would be set free from Babylonian bondage, but also that all nations would remove the yoke of Babylon. There was a great commentator named Harry Ironside, and he wrote a number of, of, of commentaries back in the 30s and 40s. But uh, he wrote in his commentary on Jeremiah that error is generally insistent and dogmatic. Error is generally insistent and dogmatic. The more so often the farther it is removed from the truth. So even in our day and time, think about this. Even in our day and time, false prophets and teachers peddle their error with great persistence. That's insistence. They peddle their error with great persistence. They're persistent in that error. And the, <clears throat> the more they teach it, the further they get from the truth. <clears throat> they're persistent and they're also assertive. Uh, that's, that's the issue of being dogmatic. They're very assertive about their, uh, their doctrine. 
And the more that they do so, the further that error finds itself from the truth. Well, there was no lack of people like this in Peter and Paul's day. Peter, first of all, you know, he spoke about false prophets. He, he said in 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 1-3, through 3, he said, But there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who, the Lord who bought them, and bring on themselves swift destruction. You know, this is one of those passages, and, and we're not going to try to spend time to, you know, look at every, every word in, 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 the, in the Greek and all of that, but, but it's interesting that there's a few phrases that should awaken us. When it says, he'll secretly, you will, uh, he says, even as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them, And bring on them swift destruction. And many will follow their destructive ways. Because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. Now I believe that the word of God teaches us. That the believer in Jesus Christ. Is safe. In Christ. That we have eternal salvation. That's what our salvation is called. It is eternal. It is not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He has saved us. Therefore, the God who saves us also keeps us. But we have to be very cautious. Not to have that attitude of thinking that because we are saved, that we can do whatever we want to do. And these are flags that go up for us to remember that we need to keep the Word of God ever before us and keep the Lord ever before us in our life. Because there will be those who deceive and then those who will follow. Verse 2, many will follow their destructive ways because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. Is that not the attitude of the serpent in the garden when he spoke to Eve? God didn't say that. Did God really say that? The way of truth, you see, is blasphemed. All that Bible that you guys read over there, where you are, wherever you are, where, when you have your Bible, oh, that's, there's nothing in there that will help you. Just a bunch of words written by a bunch of men. Is it really? I can tell you one thing. Once I was blind, now I see. Once I was lost, I've been found. I didn't do that. God did that. Once I was dead, now I'm alive. I didn't do that. God did that. God's Word assures, uh, assures me of that work in Christ. Verse 3, by covetousness they will exploit you with deceptive words. For a long time their judgment has not been idle and their destruction does not slumber. Folks, I can tell you, till my face turns blue, God never sleeps. 
But I have to tell you as well, until my face turns purple, that the enemy doesn't sleep either. And we need to be aware of that. We need to be awake and aware of the fact that the enemy seeks to destroy. Jesus said, but I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly, more richly, more fruitfully. False prophets live today. They exist today. They do their destructive deeds today. And we need to be discerning of that by the power of the Holy Spirit. If you've been baptized by the Holy Spirit, you need to, be, you need to say, Lord Jesus, fill me with your Spirit. Baptize me, immerse me, submerge yourself. or Let me be submerged in you, Lord God. We need to be saturated with the Holy Spirit. Because of the days and times in which we live. Paul called the ministry of these false prophets a matter of self-interest. He said it was a matter of self-interest. 2 Corinthians 2 verse 17. He has to say to those who were critical of, of his apostleship and of his ministry, he says, for we are not as so many peddling the word of God. You see, that's an issue of self-interest. But as of sincerity, but as from God, we speak in the sight of God in Christ. That was Jeremiah's testimony, as from God. That was not Hananiah's testimony. That was Jeremiah's testimony. And as for Jeremiah, he made no reply. By the way, getting back to our text, as for Jeremiah, he made no reply to Hananiah. It says he simply went away. See, think about, think about Jeremiah for just a moment. He made no reply to Hananiah. He had no reputation to save. He had no desire to have the people attach themselves to him by a display of words. Jeremiah could afford to wait because he had the mind of the Lord. Think about that thought for just a moment. It's pretty deep. <laughs> it's a deep thought. Jeremiah could afford to wait because he had the mind of the Lord. Which would be verified in its own time. Jeremiah's prophecies were going to be verified. They truly came from the Lord. And so the prophet Jeremiah went his way to be alone in the presence of God. Or at, le or at least we can surmise that to be the case. That he went to be alone in the presence of God. And I, I don't believe that. I, uh, you know, because in the interim, the Lord would respond to Jeremiah with a message for the man who had sought to triumph over him. A message for Hananiah. I want you to look at verses 12 through 14. Now the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. A word came to the Lord to, uh, to, of the Lord to Jeremiah, which, which means to say when he went away, he went away to hear from the voice of God. 
However long it was, we don't know if it was a couple of hours, if it was a couple of days, maybe even a couple of months. But he went away. And the Lord spoke to him. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah after Hananiah the prophet had broken the yoke from the neck of the prophet Jeremiah saying, Go and tell Hananiah saying, Thus says the Lord, You have broken the yokes of wood. Remember what he did in verse 10? You have broken the yokes of, uh, the yokes of wood, but you have made in their place yokes of iron. You think that by taking that piece of wood you were going you know, you to say that this is what I'm going to do to Babylon? Listen. What you have done is replaced it with a yoke of iron. I am serious about what I'm going to do to Babylon. As much as I'm serious about what I'm going to do to Judah and to all these other nations. Through Babylon. And notice he says, For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, I have put a yoke of iron on the neck of all these nations, that they may serve Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. There's the message that we received in chapter 27. And they shall serve him. I have given him the beasts of the field also. So listen carefully here. Jeremiah told Hananiah that the Lord would inflict and require an iron yoke of servitude upon all the nations that had been referred to before. And the sentence was reaffirmed that they should serve the king of Babylon. The message from the Lord was both national and it was personal. As far as Judah was concerned... In following his counsel, they would receive the iron yoke. In following Hananiah's counsel, they would receive the iron yoke. How do we know this? I don't know if you remember a few weeks ago I said, you know, that we've been speaking a lot from the book of Deuteronomy. Go back there. How interesting that so much of what Jeremiah prophesies is things that they, had, they should have known from hundreds of years before at the time of Moses thousands of years but think think about this Deuteronomy 28 beginning at verse 47 and again look at how the scriptures attest to scripture because you did not serve the Lord your God with joy and gladness of heart for the abundance of everything, therefore you shall serve your enemies. Now stop for a minute, because I want to go back to Sunday morning, or Saturday night, this past week. And talking about the path of, of um, triumph begins with worship, doesn't it? It begins with gratitude to the Lord. We talked about that a little bit, but listen to what it says. Because you did not serve the Lord with God with joy and gladness of heart for the abundance of everything. In other words, you didn't serve Him with joy or gladness of heart, and you didn't serve Him with gratitude for what God has already given you. He says, Because of that, therefore you shall serve your enemies, whom the Lord will send against you, notice, in hunger, in thirst, in nakedness, and in need of everything. And He will put a yoke of iron on your neck until He has destroyed you. Do you know that that same prophecy is given for the very end of the church age? When you read Revelation chapter 3 and the words of Jesus Christ to the church of Laodicea, He says, when you say we have need of nothing, we are rich. 
And yet you are blind and you are naked. God's not messing around. He didn't mess around in the Old Testament. He, didn't mess, he doesn't mess around in the New Testament. Verse 49, the Lord will bring a nation against you from afar. Now remember, this is the time of Moses. Babylonians are practically nothing. And yet he says, the Lord will bring a nation against you from afar from the end of the earth. As swift as the eagle flies. A nation whose language you will not understand. A nation of fierce countenance, which does not respect the elderly, nor show favor to the young. And they shall eat the increase of your livestock and the produce of your land until you are destroyed. By the way, do you remember at the end of verse 14 of our text, it says, I've given him the beasts of the field also. They shall eat the increase of your livestock, the produce of your land, until you are destroyed. They shall not leave you grain or new wine or oil or the increase of your cattle or the offspring of your flocks until they destroyed you, taken everything from you, even your 401ks. Bringing it up to date a little bit. And so the iron yoke was heavier and more severe, wasn't it? The iron yoke was more heavy. It was heavier and more severe. And again, the others would not escape. That yoke would be placed upon the other nations as well. That's the national message. But the personal message to Hananiah is found in the next portion of Scripture. Look at verses 15 through 17. Here's the personal message. Then the prophet Jeremiah said to Hananiah the prophet, Here now, Hananiah, the Lord has not sent you. The Lord has not sent you, but you make this people trust in a lie. Therefore, thus says the Lord, Behold, I will cast you from the face of the earth. This year you shall die. Because you have taught rebellion against the Lord. Well, verse 17 doesn't keep the secret. It just tells us right off. So Hananiah the prophet died. In the same year in the seventh month. You know how long ago? You know how long that was? Two months. Do you remember it began in the fifth month? Two months. Jeremiah would have waited two years to see if he was a false prophet. The Lord says, he's a false prophet. He's gone. He's a goner. He's going to kick the bucket. He's going to keel over. He's history. Worm food. Within two months, Hananiah was dead. Because he was an unauthorized, self-proclaimed spokesman for God. Listen carefully, folks. The Lord would slay him for his rebellion. Don't you think God has been so long-suffering with so many false prophets today? 
And we think, why, Lord, do the wicked prosper? Why do the righteous suffer? The Lord says, wait. Wait on me. There's a verse of Scripture that uh, gives us the picture. It's in the, it's in the uh, book of Psalms. But uh, the picture is that of the Lord taking the bow back. This is what He's doing right now. And, and just every day, just taking it a little further back. If any of you have done archery, you know there's a, there's a point where you can only go so far. But God, you know, with His arm, I mean, He can certainly take that bow back. But the further back you take it, the stronger the impact is going to be, isn't it? And the, the, and the verse of Scripture implies that God is just right now just waiting, just taking back. Certainly within that time, wicked people are coming to the Lord. Others are, are, are turning their lives to Christ, but still others are not. Every opportunity is being given today to come to Jesus Christ. But one day, the arrow would be let loose. And the impact of judgment will be great upon all who have forsaken God. So, the need to wait on the Lord. There's an interesting play on words in verses 15 and 16. There in verse 15, Jeremiah says to Hananiah, the Lord has not sent you. And then he says to him, thus says the Lord in the next verse, behold, I will send you away. See, the play on words is, I didn't send you to prophesy for me. I will send you away from the face of the earth. A little play on words in the Hebrew. We don't see it in the English as well. I have not sent you, but I will send you away. Consider the rebellion against the Lord, please, for just a moment. Jeremiah had contended that King Nebuchadnezzar was for a time God's servant. We read that previous chapter. And therefore the only course to follow was submission to him. Serve the king of Babylon and live. Hananiah refused to recognize that. And speaking for God, he persuaded many that they should revolt. And so the rebellion was not only against Nebuchadnezzar, but it was against God himself. Because God said, Nebuchadnezzar, in this case, is my servant. So you're rebelling against me, not so much Nebuchadnezzar, you're rebelling against me. This clause is actually based on another verse of Scripture in Deuteronomy. <laughs> I think we've read it before, but Deuteronomy 13, verse 5, but that prophet, it says, or that dreamer of dreams, yeah, this was a couple of weeks ago, and we are talking about the dreamer of dreams, but that prophet or that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death because he has spoken in order to turn you away from the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of bondage to entice you from the way in which the Lord your God commanded you to walk. So you shall put away the evil from your midst.
You see, there's a solemn responsibility that rests upon all who handle the Word of God. There is a solemn responsibility that rests upon all who handle the Word of God. Now folks, I've got to tell you, and I, I know I've said this many times before, but I don't want you to think I come up here without having prayed, without having studied, without having sought the face of the Lord to say, Lord, I don't want to say anything that's stupid. I don't want to say anything that's wrong. I don't want to say anything that's misleading. In other words, what I'm saying to the Lord is, Lord, I'm fearful of doing what you've called me to do. But I'm also confident in the fact that you have called me to do this. Therefore, I trust in you to help me, to lead me, to guide me through the word so that I can lead others through your word as well. This is not, you know, like a game for me. There's agony. I agonize. I don't want you to think it's just easy. You just got to come up here. I just open the Bible. You know. Some people do that. Some people think it's just a matter of coming up and speaking for 15, 20 minutes and making you feel good. Maybe they'll share one verse of Scripture and that's all there is. Folks, I want to give you as much food as I can. Jesus Christ is coming soon, so I want to give you as much food of the Word of God as I can. I want to give you milk. I want to give you bread. I want to give you meat. Whatever else the Word of God is called, I want to give that to you. And I don't care what the world says when the world you know, says that our, you know, our attention span as human beings is, is relatively short. It might be unless we pay attention. And unless we say, Lord God, give me the strength and the wisdom and the wherewithal to hear every word that you want me to hear so that I might set my life straight before you. That only comes. I can't do that for you. That's between you and the Lord. But if somebody falls asleep in here, you know, and gets, you know, five minutes or something, I hope those five minutes will be helpful. At the same time, that's between you and the Lord. The responsibility rests upon all who handle the Word of God. It is a solemn responsibility, but it also rests, folks, listen, it also rests on those who falsely lead others away from the truth of God. The responsibility falls on them too. What's going to be different? The difference is going to be the consequences. Paul to Titus says this in Titus chapter 1 verses 10 and 11, For there are many insubordinate, both idle, which are vain talkers, and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole households, teaching things which they ought not for the sake of dishonest gain. Paul to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6 verses 3 through 5 says, If anyone teaches otherwise and does not consent to wholesome words. Stop there for just a moment. I've been hearing a lot of talk in the last couple of months or maybe last four or five months, maybe this, this whole past year. <laughs> but, you know, I've heard a lot of talk about people, maybe even on the, on the on, on, uh, what is that uh, uh, thing on TV, you know, where you watch videos on, on the web, whatever it's called. What's it called? Who? YouTube. Boy, that, 
Talk about a senior moment there, man. I just totally forgot about that one. But see, you know, that there's, some, there's these guys that are going around preaching and they, they use, you know, cuss words in their messages and stuff like that. Man, that's against the Scriptures, isn't it? In this one very place. Do not consent to wholesome words. We're to give you wholesome words. The words of God. The words of Christ. It says, If anyone teaches otherwise and does not consent to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which accords with godliness... He is proud, knowing nothing, but is obsessed with disputes and arguments over words from which come envy, strife, reviling, evil suspicions, useless wranglings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, who suppose that godliness is a means of of gain from such. Withdraw yourself. Paul says, get away from them. Second Timothy chapter 3, verses 5-7, through seven, Paul says that these people have a form of godliness but deny its power. And from such people turn away. For of this sort, notice this next verse. For of this sort are those who creep into households. How do people get into households today? Well, it could be YouTube, but it's your tube. You know, the big tube. Whether it's 27, 19 inch or 95 inch, you know, whatever it is today. But they, that's how they come in. They creep into their households, make captives of gullible women. Do you know that that phrase, gullible women, is really, uh, it, 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 involves, it involves saying, you know, it's not just women, by the way. It's talking about girly men. Honestly. It's talking about people, you know, men and women who just, you know, kind of are gullible. But then notice, loaded down with sins. Led away by various lusts. Always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Folks, I've talked about Oprah before. Don't watch her. Oh, but she has some interesting people. Yeah, some interesting people who teach against the gospel. Who teach a new age spirituality. She herself has said, I don't, you know, I don't believe in, you know, that, that Jesus is the only way. But what are we doing listening to that? Huh. So in these last few minutes, what's the answer to that dilemma? What's the answer? I'll give you two words. Hold fast. Two words. Hold fast. Look at 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 and 2. Paul says, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and which you stand, by which also you are saved if you hold fast. You see it? That word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Hold fast that word which I preach to you. Philippians chapter 2 verse 16. Holding fast the word of life so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 21. Test all things. Hold fast what is good. What is good, folks? God's word. Hold fast to what is good. Test all things. How? By God's word. 2 Timothy 1, verse 13, Hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. 
Hold fast. Lastly, Titus chapter 1 verse 9. Holding fast the faithful word. As he has been taught. That he may be able. By sound doctrine, folks. There again. Another couple of words of importance. Sound doctrine. That he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and convict those who contradict. Hold fast the faithful word as he has been taught. Hold fast the faithful word as you have been taught. That you may be able by sound doctrine. That is my prayer. Before coming here, God's word has got to convict me that I teach you sound doctrine, rightly dividing the word of truth. I'm not perfect, but God is. I'm not perfect, but the Holy Spirit is. I'm not perfect, but Jesus is. Jeremiah wasn't perfect. But God is. And we have what the world has no clue about. We not only have the presence of God with us every day because He promised it. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. We have that. But we have something even greater. God said, I'll not only come alongside of you and come upon you, but I shall be in you. Have you prayed to receive the Holy Spirit? Are you filled with the Spirit of God today? Have you been baptized? Are you saturated by the power of the Holy Spirit? You see, the good prophets were Isaiah and Jeremiah and Daniel and Ezekiel and Amos, Hosea, Micah, Joel. We could go on all down the rest of Nahum, Obadiah, Malachi, Habakkuk. They were all filled with the Spirit of God. Were they perfect? No. Was the God that was in them perfect? Yes. Jeremiah said, I would like to see that this would happen, as you say, Hananiah, but... God says, no, you're a false prophet. As nice as a guy as you are, maybe, except for the way you pulled that yoke off my head, you'll have to deal with the Lord. I'll wait. I can wait two years. You didn't have to wait two years. And I died in two months. 
So let's, let's keep the Lord ever before us. And know that because He is with you, that we are to live godly in this present age. And if we falter, go immediately to Jesus. Go immediately to Jesus. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And, you know, John would, would go on to tell us, These things I write unto you, that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And He is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. So let's quit living in sin, if we are, and start living in the joy of the Lord. Let's pray.